started before the supervisors get in trouble with some side conversation over here. Um, good evening. I'm Rebecca Turner. I'm the County Clerk Recorder and Registrar of Voters. I feel like I should be standing, but it's easier to manipulate the PowerPoint setting, so that's what I'm going to do. We also have the County Administrative Officer, Krista Von Delata, here, and Sarah Decay. I don't know this. Edward, very sorry, Sarah Edward, <laughs> the County Council. Um, and we have PATV here. PATV here to remind me to turn my mic towards me. Um, and Robin Glanfield is my assistant clerk reporter. And then, of course, you know these guys Ben Stopper, District 5, and <laughs> Barry District 1. I'm trying to move their boundaries already. Um, so, essentially, today we're just going to go over a brief overview of the entire redistricting process. I'm going to tell you why submitting a community of interest is important in this process. And if you have questions as we go, feel free to ask, but we also will have a public comment and question section at the end. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and get started. So here, if you can see up on the TVs, this is how our district boundaries currently um, lay. I don't know how well you can see up there, but the purple is District 4, and then we have District 5 in blue. District 1 actually comes around um, wrapping around Hogan and then comes back down and meets District 4. And then we have District 2, the red, the largest district, and District 3. Um, district 2 and District 3 are pretty well split by a mountain ridge line, so there's not going to be much change there. So every 10 years, districts must be redrawn so that each district is substantially equal in population. This process is called redistricting, and it's important to ensure that each board member represents about the same number of constituents. So it's important for the equal distribution that each one of these supervisors represents. At this time, we're going to look at 9,050 voters. And that way, one district isn't um, have more constituents than another, which evens the balance of them being your representatives. So it equals it out for everyone. In Calaveras, the Board of Supervisors is responsible for drawing the district lines. Um, at this point, uh, the census data was released in August. However, the data as it stands right now is in a statewide format, and so we're still waiting for the state, state to release to us Calaveras-specific data. So you can go on and you can start pulling some things out. Um, and that's what we did to get the basic population for each district. But those are slight estimates because we're still waiting for the final numbers to be released to us so that we can start drafting maps and talking about that. We think our estimates are 97% accurate. Like, it's pretty accurate for each district, but we can't pinpoint further down than districts at this point. So when we look at the redistricting process, the overall thing we want to look at first is evening out the population. So that is our number one priority, is making the population even across the supervisorial districts. We also have to look at things like the Voting Rights Act, uh, making sure that the changes that are made to the boundaries lines aren't discriminating against any parties, and then equal protection and not to be gerrymandering. So we can't just draw a peninsulas through one district to another, um, the lines have to be somewhat compact 
And we don't want to be splitting up designated census territories like maybe not a city, but a town, something that everyone knows that that's that town and the population points in the middle. We shouldn't be splitting that up if it can be avoided. So this last 10 years, since the last redistricting, there's additional priorities that we have to look at. Um, AB 1276 passed a couple years ago, um, and now we need to make sure if, to the extent possible, that all districts are geographically contiguous. So we shouldn't have bridges from one district to another district with a strip in the middle. Um, again, just making sure that in general, the districts are somewhat compact. We also need to make sure that we're taking into account communities of interest. So if you submit to us and say your subdiv subdivision is a community of interest, um, and then give us a good reason why, and the reasons are pretty widespread, and we'll go through them in a little bit, then we need to take that seriously and take it into account when we're drawing the district boundaries. Because a community of interest shouldn't be split into two supervisorial districts, because then that takes away your representation. Half of your district or half of your community is in one district and half is in another, which means your voting power is reduced. And the goal in redistricting is not to reduce the voting power of communities. So now we are not only want to take, <laughs> take into consider communities of interest, we're required by law to do so. Um, census, cities or census-designated places um, to the extent possible should not be split into two districts. So we only have one city in Calaveras, Angels, the city of Angels. Um, so we shouldn't be splitting that into two different districts, but we also have census designated places, which would be all of our towns, Valley Springs, San Andres. So to the extent possible, we should not be splitting those towns into um, different districts. And some circumstances, it might not be possible in like larger cities when their their population base in one city is just there. But in rural areas, areas typically that is possible. So to whatever extent possible, we'd avoid splitting up any townships. Supervisorial districts should be easily identifiable and understandable by residents. So if we took I'm using District 2 and 3 as an example because it's an easy example for me. If we took District 3 and or District 2 who needs more population and said, well, why don't we come pick up Avery? That's what they need. That does, that's not really easy, easily identifiable or understandable. For one, it's like in a different school district. They identify differently with their own towns. And there's no good way for them to travel from Avery into their district. They would be hiking through the mountains or going through backfire roads or so it's not um, easy. It's not a good idea to do things like that. So when they see easily identifiable, that's what that means. We also need to make sure we're using um, natural or artificial barriers. Again, a natural barrier would be a ridgeline or a lake. An artificial would be man-made. So a street or other um, other barriers determined by a governing body, but technically, like a street, when they say artificial barrier, is what is typically considered. Where it does not conflict with preceding criteria in the subdivision, you want to make sure that it's geographically compact. So when they say it does not conflict, they mean 
make sure you're following all those other criteria first and then start looking at compactness. And of course, the board should not adopt supervisorial districts that, that are in favor or for the purpose of favoring or discriminating against a political party. Got that, guys? It's a quiet room, so, and I feel very awkward with my mask on, and I feel like I'm shouting at you. So, communities of interest, I've talked um, about that some, and I'll just read it. Is a population that shares common social or economic interests that should be included um, within a single supervisorial district for the purpose of its effective and fair representation. Communities of interest do not include relationships with political parties, incumbents, or political candidates. <coughs> We want to know what you consider a community of interest. So it's not for us to tell you your community is of interest. It's you tell us and tell us why, because that's why we're reaching out and asking, because um, we don't necessarily know. <clears throat> so different types of communities of interest, you can see this list is very long. It could be that your area is urban, or it's rural, or there are certain housing patterns or living conditions. Uh, you may have cultural, religious, or language um, differences. Communications, transportation, um, redevelopment areas, school districts, congressional or state legislative districts, income levels, educational backgrounds, um, age demographics, group quarters, policy issues. It could even be social interests or you have common interest in a community center or a dog park or a park. Um, so it is very widespread what it could be. Um, and that's why we're reaching out to ask you if you have a community of interest and to please submit it. So if you would like to submit a community of interest, we do have online on our redistricting page a community mapper. It's up now. And it allows you to go on and submit your community of interest, explain why it shouldn't be split between two different supervisorial districts, and then you can make comments. You can also go on there and view other maps that other um, other individuals have submitted and make comments on whether you agree or disagree with what they consider the community of interest to be. So if you um, are having trouble or if you want to watch a YouTube video of me explaining how to make that map, we have one on our website as well. We also have a computer here if you wanted to submit a community of interest before you left today. And then we can help you or walk you through that. The redistricting website is up right now and it gives you an overview of the process, a timeline, the community mapping tool and a how-to video, population data. Um, right now there's very basic population data. You've probably already seen just what the population is right now of each district. Um, in the next couple of weeks, we're hoping to have more data and we'll put it out on the website there too. Um, and then these public hearing videos will also be posted on the website and viewable at later dates. So the timeline as it is online right now, um, you'll notice that there are some dates that say to be determined. The reason it's to be determined is we haven't received the final census data and once we receive it, we'll set those dates as hard line, but it's hard for us to, to know before we get the data how long it'll take us to process it internally as well to get it back out to you. And um, we want to get it out to you before we have more public meetings. So that is why it says to be determined. So August 12th, the census data was released. 
uh, it's now in the hands of the state and we're waiting for our county specific data to start drafting maps. Uh, so we're now doing our town halls with the supervisors. Thank you supervisors for being here. Uh, and we're awaiting the census data from the state for Calavera specific data. And then in early October, the goal, the hope is to release draft maps and then to have um, map hearing dates available. And once those release draft maps are out there, then we'll have two additional public hearings, a minimum of two additional public hearings to discuss those draft maps before the board brings them back for adoption. Um, we're working with a very short timeline because the census data is very late to be released. Typically, we would have it in by May, and we clearly don't yet. So um, the other is the elections, the signature and lieu filing period for the primary election in June starts December 16th. And we have to have our maps drawn and that data back in, pla in place uh, before that filing period opens. So we're working with a pretty short leash to get this all done to talk to the community to draft the maps to have more discussion about the draft maps and then get them adopted and in place and as the election official it also scares me because once we go through this i then have to take all the supervisorial districts and make new voting districts <laughs> with the precincts from that time period from the time they adopt to before that petition and lieu file lean period start. So it gives elections a really short leeway for redoing our mapping as well. So what now? Well, right now I'd like you to check out the website, watch for updates to the timeline. I'd really like you to submit a community of interest map. And then we submitted public comment cards and those comments were, you could even use that card to say, this is what I think is a geographic area that's of importance. This is its location. You could provide that feedback um, via like textually as well or <laughs> in writing. And we would take it and take that in consideration um, even if you don't submit a map. We'd also like it if you um, wanted updates, if you provided your email address, and then whenever we send out a press release or we have updated information, the census data is received, we'd send you an email and let, it, let you know that it's now on the website. So contact information, if you want to send us an email specific to redistricting, we'd really like it if you emailed the redistricting email address so that we can keep that all compiled in one place. Um, but you can also contact your supervisors or you can contact me, of course. So here is the map. It's page seven. Welcome to. I was just going to talk about well, this. Well, well, Rebecca get, gets her back, gets herself back to her place. I just want to thank everyone for showing up and just reaffirm some of the things she's brought 
brought up during the presentation today that she put together for us. Um, the census data has been lagging behind from the federal level and now to the state level. So we're getting this somewhat, and I think this is what uh, the message she's relaying it short runway to do this redistricting before you have to have it forward for the next year's elections. Um, so we don't have all the data in place yet, especially when it comes to the, uh, the census blocks. Census blocks where, you know, when she brings up her map, those gray lines here, all over inside each district, those are census blocks. And those have applied populations to them. And we don't have that specific data yet so that we can start breaking up districts and starting start moving population around so that we can even up the districts quite a bit. So I just, you know, I just want to put it in a different sense than Rebecca put, you know, she's straightforward and quick. But this, so right now is the time to get your comment. If you feel like you have an HOA, for example, that you feel is a community of interest. You could put in that, look, my HOA is split up. I think it should go this way or that on the districts, you know. But it should all be in one district because we feel we're a community of interest. That's a good example. And this is a good time for you to give me your comments. And then we start applying the numbers along with the public comment. And then we start to try to bring everything out in a fair way, an equitable way moving forward. Is that pretty much the sum of it? Very nice summer. Very nice summer. So well, we do appreciate you showing up. A few more people showed up tonight than I thought would. Um, and, you know, whoever's watching it on Zoom, good for you for uh, applying technology and being able to attend. So we look forward to your questions. Is there anything you want to say, Gray? Do you want me to finish through this? Yeah, you want to finish through that. <laughs> okay. So this map is what we have identified as the population of each district now. And these are the populations that we're going to be working with when we get the data. There are slight estimates because of some of our um, supervisorial districts overlapped over the population blocks that we have right now. When we receive the real data, the population blocks should match up exactly with our supervisorial districts because there's different layers of these blocks. So they're hard to see here in gray, but Doug, our GIS, is on the call and he's got his map and he's gonna zoom into some of those so we can show you this is a population block. And the one thing we, we have, we're tied to those population blocks because this is what the census told us, that that's our population for that area. And so we have to use that when we draw our district boundaries as well. Um, so my slide here, you can see the population. So for District 1, for instance, they're well within the acceptable deviation at 4.5%. So District 1 technically wouldn't need to be changed at all. Um, but then we have District 2 is 18% off. We do have to be within the 5% deviation. So that means every district needs to be between 8,608 voters and 9,510 voters. The exact population would be 9,058, but we are allotted this deviation. And so that will be our goal is to get with each district within that uh, range. So that is the end of my presentation. We can go to comments and questions. And if Gary wants to speak first, he can. And then we have Doug 
I don't know if Doug, you ready? He can take over and share his screen. And then if we had specific questions about any area in the map, he can zoom in and, um, and show us that on the map right now. So for one, I, oh, okay. So Doug, you can hear me. The main thing I'd like to show is one of the areas, like perhaps between District 2 and District 1, where we have a population block that doesn't quite match up with the current supervisorial districts. So you can see the green, it's kind of hard, and if you want to get closer, you can, but we can also scoot through this quickly if you prefer. Um, on this screen over here is Doug's, and the blue and the green are supervisorial districts, but the gray lines that are going through the blue right there is where a population block didn't quite match up from what we pulled from the, the census website. And so when we say our population estimates are estimates, it's because of that. When it didn't match up, we had to decide which side to put the population on. But when we receive the actual census data, those blocks will match up and then we'll know exactly what the population is in each supervisorial district. Does that make sense? Yes. Because we pulled this off the Census Bureau ourselves, but the state hasn't actually released the data that we'd work with. So I just went on the website and it's like there's this long spreadsheet and I pulled data out and then Doug, our GIS, did the same thing and pulled the layer out. But we only have a small portion and we'll actually be getting multiple sets of layers like where we just have those gray we should have like 20 of those gray layers of different size population blocks so they get it's hard to <laughs> yeah i was tired of waiting so i went on there and pulled off what i could but it's not it's not perfect so does anyone have any questions you want to I, I just want to say, um, yeah, I was involved in this 10 years ago, and it was the first time 10 years ago that we had any census blocks. Before that, I don't know, but where I live, uh, there was Phil and Hazel Kane. They have some property there on Burson Road. It was their fence line was one of the lines, and if you're on one side of their fence line and you're on the other side of the fence line, you, one was District 5 and one was District 1. But since 10 years ago, we were mandated to go by these census blocks. And, and it's very important just because these numbers say what they are, and I don't need to have any change in mind, and then needs to lose 15 or whatever. That, that, that comes into place somewhat, but it doesn't come into play altogether because when you start moving other districts like District 2 that's short, you're going to, he has to pull from somewhere. And as she said, in, uh, in District 3, there's a ridge line there, and, and you can't go over the ridge line because there's no way to access over there. You have to go all the way around to get over there. So he borders my district, and he does border District, um, uh, excuse me, 4, uh, far end of his district. So we're going to have to make some adjustments somewhere. And so if you start pulling from District 1, then I'm going to be less. So I have to move into another district that I border. And they may have to move into another district. So it, it's, it's like a chain reaction. You set one thing here and boom, boom, boom on down the line just to get the numbers correct. 
And that's what's important about the census blocks, because you, you'll know exactly when you draw around that line, around that block, exactly how many people are within that block. And, and then you'll know adjusting each district that way. Um, so it's a little bit more, um, it's, it's a little bit better than before, but in some aspects it's not because you're bound by them. And the last time what happened was, I'll take Lock and Tenet in my district, for example, it got split. Part, part of, uh, the major part is still there, but on the other side of Vista Del Lago, and, um, it, it took into District 5 because we had to follow the census block and make the, the districts even. And my subdivision where I'm at got split up um, right down Hillville Drive. One side of Hillville Drive is District 5, the other side is District 1 where I live because of the census blocks and be able, having to be able to divide these things up correctly and, and adequately to, to surprise what federal law and state laws are as far as the district boundaries. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up is um, if you go on onto Calaveras County website and you just you just get to, to the main website to get to the redistricting, you got to scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. And at the bottom of the page, you'll say redistricting, and you just click on that, and it'll take you to the page that you need to go to make your comments. You'll have different tabs on it that you can follow, and you can see the map, and it'll be, the map will be updated as we get the information. And, and so it, 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 you can split it in eventually to, to, to districts. And, um, but there's a lot of information. There'll be more information coming as we go further into this month and into October. Um, we have to use the numbers that are provided to us by the Census Bureau and the blocks provided to us. I know there was some because of the COVID and people who moved up here from the Bay and moved back, but we, we're bound by the numbers that are given to us by the Census Yeah, so. That is interesting though, because if we did the Census a year later, what, what would it be? So that is very interesting. Yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> <clears throat> Any further questions? Comments? Yeah. And we'll also, if anybody's able to raise their hand on Zoom, if there anybody can. No? Okay. Thank you, Robin. And, and, and again, it's very important if you're interested and you want your comments made and heard that you, you go to the website and go to the website frequently because there'll be coming up within the, starting in probably a couple of weeks there'll be frequent updates to that and once we have all five of the, the, the uh, meetings done and the information from each one of those and the comments from each one of those are up there you'll be able to see you make me click on and watch it if, if you're interested in it um, I have one on the 9th uh, with District uh, 2 Supervisor Jack Garamendi in McCallany Hill Again, because it probably some of that will be coming into my district um, to make up the difference that he had in, in about a thousand people that he's missing. So, I also have on the uh, third, which is this Friday, a meeting in Copperopolis because of my border with uh, District Four, which is you know goes back to the domino effect that Mr. Toffinelli brought up earlier. It's you know at least to get Jack within the boundary of 
in District 2, Mr. Garamendi, we're going to have to get him at least 1,201 population. And so I think that's going to, you know, some of the most viable parts of it will probably be falling towards District 1. District 1 is probably going to, more of the viable stuff kind of falls into my District 5, which gives me the option for uh, dipping into District 4, which is the domino effect that we're talking about. It, you know, I don't see too many other ways around it, which is unfortunate. I don't, you know, if I'm 15 ahead, I don't want to give up anything. But <laughs> I like everyone in my district, so I, I want to keep them all. But it, it is what it is. Well, with that, if you don't have further public comments or question, we can go ahead and end the public hearing. Um, you're free to stay and chat while we pack up, or if there's anything in particular you want us to show you on the map, um, we're available to do that as well. But you can also stick around and show you the community mapping tool if you like. Other than that, thank you all for coming out. Um, and if you have any questions anytime in the future, feel free to reach out to my office as well. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.